0: Hello and welcome to Bread and Thread, a podcast about food and domestic history. I'm Liz. And I'm Hazel, two people that studied archaeology and love social
1: history. So have you been making
0: or baking anything this week?
1: Um, Yeah, I've been.
2: uh, Did I tell you that I got a spinning wheel? You did not. I I have a spinning wheel now, and it's great. I can spin so many things, so many fibers. Um, I have been spinning some Jacob slash Shetland wool because oh. um, this is going to sound like the most villagey thing ever. But I mean, uh, you are the, the postman, most villagey
0: person I know.
2: I uh, guilty as charged. Um, the postman in our village is also a shepherd. And Naturally. he has some sheep out in the levels, so I I got a fleece and I've been spinning that. Um, and also doing some stuff with Southdown wool. Um, I'm trying to spin it into a lace weight so I can do like uh, a hand spun version of a Shetland lace shawl.
0: Oh, that's cool! Shetland lace is a whole thing. We should do an episode on Shetland lace.
2: Oh, we absolutely should, yeah. Um, I, I'm slightly regretting my decision due to how much work is involved there is a lot I mean it's enjoyable but also like there's a lot yeah (laughs) um yeah what what have you made is it delicious
0: it is delicious I've rediscovered my love for banoffee pie which (gasps) is one of those classic look we invented fridges kind of desserts (laughs) um it
2: is very 1970s in it. Yeah. In I, I don't like banoffee pie. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, I will forgive you. Okay. It, is, it can be very sweet. Um, but I've made some banoffee cookies, which are less sweet. Because nice, rather than yeah. banoffee pie's got loads of caramel in it, this is more just it has little bits of fudge and then there's banana in the actual cookie dough.
2: So it's mm. it's
0: like a grown-up banoffee pie.
2: Mm, that sounds like a superior biscuit.
0: It is delicious. I will I will have to send you the recipe.
2: Thank you. I thought you were going to say you would send me the
1: cookies. Um, um I don't I know how
0: it. well they travel.
1: Mm. Just roll them.
0: <laughs> if I get a big enough slingshot, I could shoot them from <laughs> Manchester to Pevensey yeah they're, they're probably quite aerodynamic i
2: will just i'll put a net in the garden and <laughs> i'll just catch me some some wild sky cookies that will be great
0: i love it so this is our first episode <laughs> and we decided that i was going to do the research first so i'm going to talk to you about oysters and their journey from Terrible filler meat to incredibly expensive fancy meat.
1: Ooh, that sounds like an exciting journey of meat. Have you ever had an oyster? I actually never have. I just can't look, I can't get over how they look like snot.
0: They are quite slimy. Oh, I,
2: there's a limit on slimy things that I want going down my throat and I've never been able to bring myself to... To get oysters (laughs) down there, nah. Um. (laughs) You can
0: get smoked oysters, though, which have more... It's kind of a livery, like, pate-type texture, Mm -hmm. but they taste really good, and I I recommend putting them in a quiche with, like, a bit of broccoli.
2: When did you make oyster
0: quiche? When I lived with my very middle-class parents. (laughs) (laughs) That is a ridiculous food item. It was
2: delicious, though. I fair, I mean I'd try it, I guess.
0: A combination of being northern and being middle class means I've eaten most things at this <laughs> point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so oysters getting back on topic, oysters in history. Okay, um... yeah,
2: tell me tell me about some oysters.
0: So the way that we eat oysters now with like a little bit of something acidic on some or some sort of fancy topping has actually been a thing since the Romans who used to import British oysters because they were just so good and big, which is quite cool.
2: Oh yeah, everything's big in Britain.
0: It's, it's well known. We're the Texas of Europe in that everyone <laughs> secretly hates us. I think we
2: are in, like, the worst kind of way. um, (laughs) Oysters!
0: (laughs) But, like, oyster shells have actually been seen almost as a filler material in buildings, like, prehistoric right through to medieval. Oh! Um, Like, if you look at some of the medieval stone buildings, um, especially up in Scotland, you can actually see oyster shells embedded in the walls sometimes. No way. Yeah, um, I went to Mary King's Close, which is this underground haunted street in Edinburgh, and there were oyster shells embedded in some of the walls.
2: Were they haunted
1: oysters?
0: I feel like it would be hard to detect an oyster ghost.
1: Is the problem? Like I oysters don't, don't do much. Do yeah. That's... I-, I don't know. What your oyster soul would sound like—just
0: <laughs> creaking shells—that
2: <laughs> would actually be quite terrifying.
0: Okay. So, Ooh, I yeah. mean, you can tell from that the oysters were very much a working-class food. There's actually a line from the Pickwick Papers, um, which is Dickens. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, sir, here's an oyster stall to every half dozen houses. The streets lined with them. Blessed if I don't think that when a man's very poor, he rushes out of his lodgings and eats oysters in regular desperation. (laughs) That's wild, like, considering how much of a
2: posh food they are today.
0: Yeah. Like, they would be used as a bulk ingredient. Like, you'd get a beef and oyster pie, and the (laughs) oyster was, like, the trash ingredient. Oh, no. (laughs) Or you could just straight up buy them pickled on the street. Oh, oh, the beef spunk gone
1: rotten, boys. We better wang in some oysters. Okay, so how how did that happen? How
2: did it get from, like, trash street food to extremely fancy?
0: I need you to imagine the jazz hands here. Overfishing!
1: <laughs> so this is basically- the- Cheery. <laughs> version
0: yeah so basically oyster beds in the thames would grow from the shells of other oysters that, like latch onto them kind of like a, a reef made of your grandparents bones i guess would be the closest comparison <laughs> um that,
1: yeah that is the first comparison that springs to mind
0: So basically, because they were fishing them so much out of the Thames, there weren't these beds anymore, so they just ran out of them. Um, so then they started fishing for oysters like on an industrial scale in Essex and Sussex, and then it happened there as well. I see. And then you add in the Industrial Revolution, because oysters are an indicator species, so they're basically only... Growing relatively clean water. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the Thames being so bad that the Great Stink was a thing. Oh where yeah, it was, was the... just so full of sewage that the warm <laughs> summer made like Parliament have to abandon the building. <laughs> <laughs> they were... Is was
1: that what it takes. <laughs> they were not very good for you. Um. Yeah, I, I would not yeah. want to eat
2: an oyster out of the Thames. Like, even today, probably.
0: Yeah. But there's a story in 1902, the mayor of Winchester served oysters at a banquet. Multiple people died from these toxic oysters. <laughs> oh! Oh, boy. But because by this point they were rare... It was also, it was still a fancy thing. Like, it's a risk, but it's rare, so we've got to have it because we're fancy.
2: Oh gosh, that, that's an aspirational thing right there, dying of oyster poisoning.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> mm. So, and then now people expect them to be expensive. So even though we can absolutely farm oysters.
1: Oh,
2: like manufactured...
0: Yeah Okay Which interestingly a similar thing Happened with lobsters in the US
2: Oh I think I heard a bit about that Yeah that lobsters used to be Like really working class food
0: Mm. But then they started Shipping it to the rich people in the city Uh... Who then Went to the east coast as tourists And wanted fresh lobsters And like I feel it's more justifiable in lobsters because they're difficult to farm like mm-hmm. they're, as far as I could tell there are not lobster farms but again it's that expectation that it's going to be expensive I guess so I mean yeah I can see how it would be difficult to like keep
1: them in the fields you'd need very low fences can lobsters dig I feel like they must be able to dig I feel like there's only one way to find out. And that is by removing a lobster from its habitat and getting it to dig a hole in your garden. That's fair. The science.
0: So yeah, that's my potted history of how how oysters became a luxury food. Which, oh, I just I think it's that. wild. It how is, like I... <laughs> this is dangerous, but it's also rare. <laughs> so we're gonna make it the the newest conspicuous consumption. It is like it, it's it's slightly
2: inconceivable how something so aesthetically repulsive <laughs> could become the new fancy food.
0: Especially because we've been able to. Like, oysters have been farmed in France since the 18th century. Oh! There is okay. no reason for them to still be this expensive <laughs> okay. beyond we expect them to be. It's just. I guess it's just a thing now. Like, what did yeah. he die of?
2: Oyster poisoning?
0: Oh, how refined. I... <sighs> it does make you think, though, of like. You know, like, rich people diseases in books and things, it's like, oh, too much port, and now you've got gout, aren't you, fancy? Oh, yeah, gout. Or, like, when medieval kings died of eating too many lampreys, I'm wondering if it's a similar thing. It's just like, (laughs) well, you know, if you're gonna go, at least you were eating the fancy seafood. If you're gonna die, do it as expensively as possible. I mean, those are words to live by which is why I (laughs) plan to die doing all of the drugs while
1: skydiving. Oh, great. You have to admit, it would be interesting to see what happened. It would. From the ground.
0: (laughs) Maybe with an umbrella.
2: (laughs) I like the image that you'll be like 105 years old while doing this.
0: I mean, it's entirely conceivable. (laughs) <laughs> but I would get to that far.
1: <laughs> Imagine being the person that was, like, just just kind of going about their day, like,
2: enjoying the park or something, and suddenly, like, a
1: screaming elderly person <laughs> drops from the sky. It would be a story. Yeah. Okay, I like the kind of the only thing I remember about
2: oysters is that there are lots of them found in prehistoric sites. Um, yeah, you get
0: a lot of shell middens that have a lot of yeah. oyster shells. I think again yeah. in Scotland, actually. Ah.
1: Did I read something about the, be- the beaker culture being associated with that, or was, am I making that up? It wouldn't surprise me. I'm gonna do a quick Google. Google! Well, not Google.
0: I I use Ecosia. Um, I can't find anything about it. But this is just from a brief search. Looks like I made up
1: some archaeology!
0: But I mean, the main thing with the Beaker people is that they they liked to party, didn't they? They, just... <laughs> they brought brewing <laughs> to Britain. <laughs> that is, a, I mean, I salute them for that.
1: Because, like, yeah, gotta hand it to them. I mean, you wouldn't have thought that just leaving out some grain water would turn it into. Delicious
0: alcohol, but they did it, the mad lads. I guess it's easier once you've got the beakers.
2: Yeah, I guess. Which do you think came first, like the beaker
0: or the beer? Oh, mm. that's gonna haunt me. I'm like glad a, that like they a Scottish so. oyster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You'll be dreaming of oysters floating so i'm glad glad they did because i made some blackberry wine recently
0: and oh it it worked i made alcohol i'm afraid my yeast experiments have been limited to bread oh no Uh, did you in my defense i don't drink (laughs) that is
1: a good reason to not make alcohol
0: So, I believe you've been researching the pond pudding for our segment, Local Larder, where we talk about weird local foods. (laughs)
1: Are you calling my food weird?
0: It's got a whole lemon baked into it. Ah,
2: okay. Well, actually, in the course of my
1: intrepid researches, I found out that the lemon is, in fact, an intruder. Or does it sneak in through the back door of the oven? <laughs> yeah, it,
2: it burrows itself into the pudding. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: like an ant lion. <laughs> that's not something I want to think
2: about in my pudding. <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, so Sussex Pond Pudding is a kind of pudding that is traditionally associated with Sussex, which is my home county. And it's basically, it's like a steamed pudding um,
0: or the kind that's boiled in cloth, kind of like a Christmas pudding. Is it like a suet kind of thing? Or
2: Yeah, it's a suet, uh, like a steamed or boiled suet pudding. And it's got stuff in. And... The pond part is because the all the kind of like butter and syrup in it, when you cut it open, it kind of forms this caramelly sauce that leaks out and it's like it's a little pond. Ooh. Which is cute.
0: I never considered um, a pond of caramel to be an in- an essential part of a dessert, but you're changing my mind.
2: Uh yeah. Well I mean consider I I've, I've actually never had one of these, despite coming from
1: a uh, long-time Sussex family, but um, I I guess they just weren't nationalistic enough. Um, (laughs) And also, like, it's kind of effort. Like, you have to Make up this thing and then
2: boil
0: it for quite a while. I think. And oh then... yeah, I mean suet puddings are all, are a lot of work.
2: Yeah, it's the kind of thing you do, like if you're spending all day cooking Sunday lunch anyway. Mm. Um. So, this pudding is first recorded as a dish in a book from 1672 by Hannah Woolley called the Queen Like Closet, which is a great name, mm. and. Weirdly enough, it was the the lemon is like a iconic feature of it that it has this whole lemon baked inside, but the lemon actually doesn't appear until the nineteen seventies, and instead seventies ar- again. I, yeah, I don't know what happened in the seventies, but you know it was wild. Apparently, um,
0: yeah. In, and in people needed lemon, something to do after. After they'd finished with all of the free love.
2: <laughs> After they started having to pay for love again. Yeah. Um, they, they turned to alternative methods. Like puddings. Um, pudding is love. So, so yeah. It, like The original main ingredient of this pudding
1: was not a whole entire lemon. It was, in fact... A massive slab of butter. <laughs> but the
2: original pudding was apparently literally just butter, butter pie in suet pastry. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I-, I guess this was when people needed their calories for like sweating in the fields for their fetal overlords.
0: I mean, I guess. It's probably easier to get hold of butter than lemons in seventeenth century Sussex.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of butter floating around. Um, yeah, and it like it seems to continue to be. It it's not called Sussex Pond Pudding at this point. It's a Sussex Pudding. So apparently, we were the first to invent just covering butter in an absolute ton of pastry. Um, Although I did once come across a recipe, a Gervais Markham recipe, for a pound of butter curiously roasted.
0: (laughs) In what way is it curious beyond how doesn't it melt?
1: I'm curious about why it doesn't melt, so... (laughs) Um... So that's the origins of the Sussex Pond Pudding. Um, It
2: appears in a few cookery books in Eliza Acton's 19th century
1: cookery book Um, and in the 1970s one which
2: was Jane Grigson's English food Um, and Clarissa Dixon Wright also mentions it in A History of English Food which is a great book and, yeah, she, she puts a whole lemon in it as well. Um, so somewhere along ask, the line, yeah? Do you peel the lemon? You do not peel the lemon. It needs to be unwaxed. Um,
1: and according to Clarissa, you need to scratch the lemon so that the flavour bursts out while it's being cooked.
0: See, I'm now more confused by the inclusion of the lemon than I was originally. <laughs>
2: The lemon is a quandary, yeah <laughs> the lemon is an an unidentifiable object,
0: um, an enigma wrapped in a mystery wrapped in suet pastry <laughs> indeed. um so I found a few like modern versions of this
2: recipe. um it It basically comes down to Mary Berry versus Heston Blumenthal, and you can tell me which one wins at the end.
0: I mean, um, I'm automatically siding with Mary Berry or pretty much anyone <laughs> against Test and Blumenthal.
2: Okay, uh, your loyalty is is admirable. Um, so yeah, the, Mer- the Mary Berry one looks quite nice actually. It's got it's got like kind of a lighter suet pastry. The original suet was beef suet, which a beef suet wrapped around butter. I feel like that would have had an interesting flavour.
1: Um, mm. <laughs> hmm.
2: Yeah, this one. I mean, you can use vegetable suet or like, you know, butter would probably work. Just need something fatty. Um,
0: <laughs> I do like the idea of making the pastry with butter as well. So you're basically just eating butter with some flour. It yeah, it's just like variations on
1: butter. It's, Things it's though, I feel like so it under. gives a
0: very different texture of pastry than butter.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, I feel like that would be quite... No, hmm, I don't know. I mean...
1: Uh, Hannah Woolley does suggest putting rose water on it. So... I mean, that tracks, data. though. That's Rose water's a
0: nice ingredient.
1: Yeah. Um...
2: Yeah, the Merry Berry one is like quite a nice sounding suet pastry. And then it's filled with muscovado sugar, some butter, a uh, whole lemon, and some apples, which is quite a nice addition. I feel like that makes it a bit get, like, more a like a apple thing. Yeah, that's cool. And then you've got like a pond oh, there'd be like ducks in the pond. Ducks that you can eat whole.
0: I mean, that is the dream. <laughs> I cannot overstate how much I love duck.
1: Is duck is good. Duck is good. Um please don't eat a whole entire duck. At least not in one bite. Not in one bite live. No. Don't so just go to the park and like shovel some ducks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's okay, my shovel's in a different town. <laughs> um, do you know what? I can't find my trowel. Actually,
2: it's causing me serious distress. Um, and so on to the Heston Blumenthal recipe, which um, right? Are you ready for this?
0: And you're <laughs> never ready for Heston. <laughs>
2: I, d- I don't think anyone is ever ready for Heston. I think Heston just, like, breaks your door down in the middle of the night and barges his way into your bedroom and, like, flings deconstructed
1: raspberry foam on you or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so... In this pudding is... Almost a litre of golden syrup. For how many servings? Ten. Apparently. That feels like a lot. There's quite a lot, of, a syrup. lot of syrup. Yeah, there's like seven lemons. Um,
2: there is not, in fact, a whole lemon in it. There's like the zest of seven lemons and then the juice.
0: That um, feels like a coward's way out. Yeah, if you're going to make a pond pudding with lemon, just put the whole lemon in.
2: Just get the lemon in your fist and punch it into the middle of the pudding. That's the
1: traditional way. (laughs) No one would think any less of you for it, Hessen. Just punch a pudding. Stack it one. (laughs) Just absolutely
2: maul that pudding. Five check. (laughs)
1: that's what we're here for just just savaging puddings left and right so yeah uh, this recipe also begins with the words make a beurre noisette which
2: as far as I'm concerned is like a thing that you
1: use to open jars Um, so, I'm voting Mary, to be honest
0: Oh, definitely Especially because she would probably call it brown butter Oh, Jonathan she would. Ben, was would yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She would probably just be like, melt the butter
0: Yeah There's not even bothering with the whole brown thing It's like, butter's butter Mary would punch the pudding <laughs> <laughs> She would <laughs>
1: okay yeah yeah so so,
2: um i guess that's decided in favor of the um sussex pun pudding with apples and and not a liter of golden syrup
0: and a punched lemon
2: yeah (laughs) and that that is the modern twist that i am adding onto this recipe it's not a fun pudding unless you're in sussex and and you have fully
0: fist-fought the pudding. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, if you want to suggest a topic or a strange local food, you can email us at breadandthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh,
2: you can also find us on Twitter at breadandthread, and we'll see you next time.